Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Edmo Show. So today we are going to be doing something a little bit different. I've got my camera, my well, my camera phone set up, and we are streaming this live on Facebook Live. So this is going to be the first time I'm ever doing a live video on Facebook, and that way you guys get to have a chance to uh, to interact with moi. Uh, so this probably be something that I'll probably keep doing uh, as. The show progresses. I definitely want to get more of a footprint out there so that way I can interact with you guys. And of course, you know, some of my my friends who like to who like to bash me and bash the show, you know, they got they can get online and and drop their comments and all types of other stuff. But for all of you who are on Facebook Live right now, uh, first thing I would like to say is. Thank you for the birthday wishes. It's greatly appreciated. I like um, how everyone just kind of comes out and, and wish me a happy birthday. Some people I talk to, some people I don't, some people who uh, who are just Facebook friends, some people that I've actually met in real life. So, And I just want to say I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to get right on to today's topic. So one of the things that I really want to talk about is not going to be about me today. It's not going to be about my birthday. Um but uh, today we are going to cover a lot of the things that has been going on because we've been making some historical moments. Um, oh, shout out to Gum Monkeys Armory. I'm wearing their their sweatshirt right now. My one of my closest friends and confidants. He is the owner of uh, Gum Monkeys and I, one of my favorite hoodies that I wear. I'll probably wear it every single day. But the reason why I'm wearing a hoodie and it's the second day of summer is because somehow we have gotten a storm and it is now 66 degrees in the DMV area so you know so we're just gonna go ahead and and get on with that so let me fix this camera real quick but yeah we don't really have anyone really let me see if I can share this to a group let's see Uh, sorry this is my first time on Facebook live so I don't know how these things are supposed to go uh, there we go. So yeah, I am sharing this live to the Facebook, uh, to the Edmo Show listener group. So if you guys are a part of it, please you know chime in and all types of other stuff, and we will see what we have. Oh, okay. I guess I can do all this cool stuff that I wasn't able to do before. Let me see guest requests. Okay, I can request guests too. All right, sorry, I'm just fooling around with it as I'm as I'm watching it. I mean, as I'm as I'm going through it. But uh, one thing um, I would like to say is uh, Shikari Richardson. She broke the the world hundred meter dash. She has been declared the fastest woman alive. So that's that is one point. And also the second point is what we just had was Juneteenth. They finally made Juneteenth a federal holiday even though i have some concerns i don't know i don't know how to really feel about uh juneteenth um but supposedly you know to many of us it kind of seems like something that they kind of threw out in the middle of the of the wee hours of the night and no one really saw saw this coming but um alveda king uh the niece of dr martin luther king she uh she actually came out i believe it was on fox news or some other um new show where she was talking about how she's actually been working on getting Juneteenth commemorated as a holiday. And, you know, I've been seeing some, um, some comments or some articles on Facebook where people have been, um, saying, uh, 
declaring that Trump has also been working on uh, making Juneteenth a holiday. It was part of his platinum plan. So, but it's just, it just seems weird that now it's now becoming a holiday. So, um, first of all, we're going to talk about the, the history of Juneteenth because I've seen so many people, uh, say that Juneteenth was a, was when slavery really ended, even though that's not when slavery really ended. Um, I'll talk about my personal opinions and beliefs, uh, a little bit later, but, um, the history of Juneteenth is actually a Texas holiday. Uh, Juneteenth, short for June 19th, Mark, and this is, I'm reading this straight off of uh, history.com. Yeah, history.com. Juneteenth, short for June 19th, marks the day when the federal troops arrive in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the states and ensure that all enslaved people were freed. The troops' arrival came uh, a full two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, which is one of my concerns. Why would we make Juneteenth a federal holiday and not Emancipation Day when the Emancipation Proclamation was actually signed? That's just one of my concerns. So Juneteenth honors the end of slavery in the United States and considered the longest-running African-American holiday. And uh, then uh, they talk about uh, this year when they finally made it a federal holiday, so it was updated um, the Confederate uh, General uh, Robert E. Lee had surrendered uh, a Pomatoke's courthouse two months earlier in Virginia, but slavery had remained relatively unaffected in Texas until U.S. General Gordon Granger stood on Texas soil and read General Order Number 3. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance to the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are freed. And then they go on about the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, Juneteenth, and slavery in Texas. In Texas, slave had uh, slavery had continued as a state experience, uh, as the state experienced no large scale fighting or significant uh, presence on Union troops. Many enslavers from outside Lone Star State had moved there uh, as they viewed it as a safe haven for slavery. After the war came to a close in spring of 1865, General Granger. Uh, General Granger's arrival in Galveston that June signaled freedom for Texas 250,000 slave enslaved people. Although emancipation hadn't uh, didn't happen overnight for everyone, in some cases slavers withheld the information until after harvest season celebration broke out among newly freed black people, and Juneteenth was born. That December, slavery in America was formally abolished with the abomination, with the adoption of the 13th Amendment. So, uh, and it goes on about the the proclamation and... uh, it's time to discover oh. the adventure of driving a Jeep during sorry. Jeep Freedom Days at Dark Cars Chrysler Jeep of Waldorf. Uh, sorry. A little video from uh, History.com. So uh, overcome any option 0% financing on 2021 Jeep Cherokee, I don't Jeep Grand Cherokee and Jeep Gladiator. Oh, uh, why is this thing being slow? Sorry about that, people. All right. Sorry about that. So we had gotten some little ad from history.com wanting us to buy a Jeep. So the so, of course, uh, the Congress had been uh, planning to get this um, Juneteenth 
commemorate it as a holiday. Um, then it went, uh, then they kicked it over to the president to have it to be signed in the law. So, uh, this is from the white house, the white house briefing room. Sorry. I don't know why I can't talk today. Must be the birthday, you know, yay. But anyway, a proclamation on Juneteenth of observance of 2021 on June 19th, 1865, nearly nine decades after the nation's founding and more than two years after president Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, enslaved Americans in Galveston, Texas, finally received the word that they were free from bondage, as those who were formerly enslaved were recognized as the first time as citizens. Black Americans came to commemorate Juneteenth with celebrations across the country. Sorry, I need to blow my screen up. All right, uh, where was I? Across the country, building new lives and new traditions that we honor today. In its celebration of freedom, Juneteenth is a day that should be recognized by all Americans. And that is why I am proud to have consecrated Juneteenth as our newest national holiday. Juneteenth is a day of profound weight and power, a day in which we remember for the moral stain and terrible toll of slavery on our country, uh, what I've long called America's original sin a long legacy of systematic racism, inequality, and inhumanity. But it is a day that also reminds us that our incredible capacity to heal, hope, and emerge from our darkest moments with purpose and resolve. Uh, As I said on the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre, Okay, and and I've recently learned some new things about Tulsa, but it wasn't really a race massacre. It was a race war. It wasn't really a massacre. It was a war, but we'll talk more about that uh, in a little bit. The great nation, uh, uh, great nations don't ignore their most the most painful chapter of their past. Great nations confront them and when come to terms with them and we come to terms with them. Sorry, I misread that on Juneteenth. uh, We. we recommit ourselves to work uh, the work of equal of equity, equality and justice. And we celebrate the, the centuries of struggle, courage and hope that we have brought to us uh, to this time of progress poss- uh, and possibility. That work has been led throughout our history by the abolitionists and educators, civil rights advocates, lawyers, encourages and courageous activists and trade unionists, public officials and everyday Americans who have helped make uh, real the ideals of founding documents for all. There is still more work to do as we emerge from the long, dark winter of COVID-19 okay, <laughs> pandemic. For example, racial equity remains at the heart of our efforts to vaccinate what? Racial equity remains at the heart of our efforts to vaccinate the nation and beat the virus. Wow. Okay. I I, I don't. Okay. I what? You, so you're going to throw COVID nineteen and racial equity in together? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, we must recognize that Black Americans, among among other peoples of color, should shoulder a dis uh, have shoulders. Sorry. I, have shouldered a disproportionate burden of loss while also carrying us through disproportionately in as essential workers and healthcare providers on the front lines of crisis. Psalms 30. Oh my God. I can't believe Joe Biden is quoting. Sorry. I slammed the table. 
I can't believe Joe Biden is quoting the Bible or whoever wrote this for Joe Biden is quoting the Bible right now. But we're going to read it. Psalms 30 proclaims that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Okay, let's go ahead. Uh, Let me see. Psalms 30, because he doesn't even say what verse that is. Strike one, Joey B. Psalms 30. Okay, so Psalms 30 is actually 12 verses long. So he doesn't even say what verse exactly, but we'll read it. We'll read it. I'm not going to bash him too much, but of course, you know how I feel. For those of you who, this is your first time tuning into the, to the Edmo Show, y'all know how I feel when it comes to people who say that it's okay to kill children and and trying to quote the Bible. Uh, okay, and especially, never mind, I'm just going to keep going. So Juneteenth marks both a long, hard night of slavery and discrimination. Okay. And the promise of a brighter morning to come. My administration is committed to building an economy. No, you're not. (laughs) And a nation that brings everyone along and finally deliver our nation's founding promise to black Americans. We've had that promise for like a hundred years now. We've, we've had that promise forever. And, and I'm going to get into Tulsa and say why, because in Tulsa, black wall street, AKA black wall street, Black people were very prominent. We were like making money at really post slavery after once the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, black people were like killing the workforce because we were the most skilled people lead, like in the workforce. We had and even Frederick Douglass, I, mean, I believe it was Frederick Douglass. Uh, was it Frederick Douglass? It was either Frederick Douglass or. um uh uh, uh Booker T. Washington, who said they actually felt sorry for the whites, you know, who depended on slavery because they don't have any skills. They don't know how to do anything. So, but anyway, I'll keep reading this, this crazy uh, thing. So together we will lay the roots of a real lasting justice. Okay. So that we can become extraordinary, become the extraordinary country that we promise to all Americans. Juneteenth not only commemorates the past, it calls us to action today. Now, therefore, I, Joseph R. Biden Jr., President of the United States, blah, 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 uh, United States, by virtue of the authority invested in me by a botched election, by the Constitution of law and the law of the United States and and bot voters, I do hereby proclaim June 19, 2021, Juneteenth Day of Observance. I call upon the people of the United States to acknowledge and celebrate the end of the Civil War and emancipate and the emancipation of black peoples. So why don't you just give us an Emancipation Day? I mean, emanci- if you, you would not have a Juneteenth without Emancipation Day. Give us Emancipation Day. Then I might feel better. But um, so emancipation of black Americans and commit together to eradicate systematic racism that still undermines our founding ideals and collaborative prosperity. I witness in witness thereof or whereof I hereunto set my hand on the 18th, uh, the 18th day of June in the year of our Lord, 2021 and the of the independence of the United States of America at the 245th. 
Okay. Joey B. All right, so we're going to read Psalms 30 because if you guys do not know, for those of you, this is your first time tuning in. Every Saturday, I do a Bible episode, what, um, what we call Real Talk Bible, RTB, where we go through the pages and chapters of the Bible from cover to cover. So unfortunately, we haven't hit Psalms yet, but today I think is more appropriate. Psalms 30, it reads, uh, matter of fact, let me switch this to the version that I read because it's more straightforward. Okay, let's go ahead and get that set up. It's loading. All right. Psalms 30, joy comes in the morning. Psalms 30, a psalm, a song for the dedication of the temple of David. I exalt you, Adonai, for you have have lifted me up and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Adonai, my God, I cry out to you for help. And you blessed, I mean, and you healed me. Adonai, you brought my soul up from Sheol meaning the grave or to, or from hell. Um, you kept me alive so I would not go down into uh, go down to the pit. Sing praise to uh, sing praise to Adonai, his faithful ones, the pray and praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So they only took verse 6 out of there. But they only but they didn't really say the whole thing they just said we uh, okay <sighs> when i felt secure i said i will never be be shaken adonai in your favor you made my mountain st- stand strong and you hid your face uh, i was terrified to you adonai i called and to my lord i made my plea what gain is there in my blood in my going down to the pit will will the dust praise you will it declare your truth here, Adonai, be gracious to me. Adonai, be my help. Uh, you turned my mourning into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. So my glory will sing to you and not be silent. Adonai, my God, I praise you forever. That is verse 30. So pretty much, it's pretty much talking about God getting people through a dark time. And it was dedicated to the ten, um, uh, the building of the temple from David. So in, in Joey B's version, he just says weeping may endure for a night and joy and, but joy clothed, uh, clothed in the morning. Okay. But here it says, uh, weeping may stay for a night, but joy comes in the morning. All right, let's, let's see what the King James version has to say. Uh, see what the King James version has to say. Where is that? Okay, I think there's a newer version where it's straightforward. All right, whatever. So we know it's verse six. Let's see what verse six has to say. Uh oh. So in this one, it it's on. Yeah, it's verse. Five, for his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Yeah, so he he got his from the King James version, but he 
But he doesn't really say, like, it, it just takes a sentence out of there. It's not saying that it is God who brings this stuff. So, Joey B, go kick rocks. All right. Uh, all right. So, and he, he talked about Tulsa. So, one thing about Tulsa that I was taught as a kid, and especially growing up, and I didn't learn this until an adult, uh, Tulsa, a.k.a. Black Wall Street, we were told that White people had destroyed Tulsa, um, Black Wall Street because of jealousy, because all these black people were making all this money. They were doing that. They had their own little stock market and this and that. And it, it was black prosperity. However, what they don't tell you is that this was over an incident that happened with a um, what was his name? Let me I found the article where. Dick Rollins, the, the boy's name was Dick Rollins. And Dick Rollins was a black shoe shiner who, of course, during that time they had segregations. Um, they had segregation. So white people could not use, um, black people could not use the same bathroom as whites. So him being a shoe shiner, he had to go a block down, go into this elevator to the top floor to go to a colored's only bathroom. So during this altercation, um, uh, let me see the girl's name. Sarah Page. So Dick Rawlins, who was 19, uh, tripped and fell uh, trying to get out of the the elevator. And he grabbed the arm of Sarah Page, a 17-year-old white woman at the time. So pretty much she screamed. She ran out. And then they made, I guess, the white newspapers made this a bigger thing than what it is by claiming that he had raped her and all this other stuff. And... It got blown out of proportion. So pretty much they, the black, um, the black veterans of World War I pretty much protected this kid. They wanted to, they, they, the whites were coming to get him. It was pretty much a standoff in Tulsa. So the one, the, the World War I uh, uh, black veterans, um, and I'm reading this article from NBC, uh, from, yeah, NBC News. Uh, the mere fact that black black veterans returned from World War One as decorated heroes stirred up a particularly virulent anger among the Tulsa white population. A psychological dynamic of the era was that you had black men who would have risked their lives for a country, said Hannibal Johnson, and in many cases they were treated much better on foreign soil. Uh, as a word of of a lynch mob heading to Tulsa's courthouse to murder Rawlings spread a group of 25 black armed veterans set up to protect his life. There, a black veteran jumped up on top of the stage of dreamlands theater and said, shut this place down. We ain't going to let this happen here. There's not going to be a lynching said Ellsworth adding. It was unlikely that any of the veterans actually knew Rawlings. But they knew that a racial that a racial brother was in dire danger. And so they risked their lives and some of them gave their lives to protect him. He explained the situation began to escalate. A second group of 75 veterans headed to the courthouse that enraged the whites added added by Ellsworth. And that's when the massacre began. So, um. So pretty much growing up my entire life, I was told that uh, Tulsa pretty much happened or Black Wall Street happened because of white jealousy. That's not the truth. Tulsa happened because someone lied. 
and tried to say a black man raped a white girl. And when the lynch mob tried to come and get Dick Rollins, and I even saw a funny quote in here, because they even said the paper had something to do with it. So even back then, the news was fudging the information as they do today. So where was it? Oh, yeah. So uh, did white-owned newspapers instigate the violence? The Tulsa Tribune, a white-owned newspaper in the city, immediately ran with the idea that a black man had tried to assault a white girl inside of the elevator, even though there was little evidence this had occurred, according to Ellsworth. An inflammatory front-page article accused Rawlings of identifying himself as Diamond Dick to police. It also claimed that he had stalked Paige, in addition to tearing her clothes and scratching her face. There was no question that the article presented it as him trying to rape her, said Ellsworth. Given no record uh, of the editorial had survived, witnesses have reported that the Tribune editorial page was designed to incite readers to violence, featuring a write-up title to Lynch Negro Tonight. So, Tulsa had nothing to do with white jealousy. Tulsa had everything to do with the news media lying to people, creating a narrative to get people out in the streets like they do today. You know, as we see in today's, um, in the, 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 in the last couple years, we had people in the streets rioting for George Floyd, um, with Rayshard Brooks, all types of names, like Ahmaud Arbery, all types of stuff where people burnt down cities and people were actually getting killed and murdered. And ma- like, to me, those are massacres. And yes, this is a massacre too because the newspaper lied. So, in the, to the point where it says lynch a Negro tonight, we even see articles like this in reverse where they're talking about white people, white racism, and we're going to get into that in, the, in, a, in just a few seconds. But Biden's going to mention his statements about the the Tulsa massacre. It was a massacre, but it was a race war where you had white people coming to lynch Dick uh, Dick Rollins, newspaper lying about Dick Rollins, same way newspapers lie today. Black veterans said, hell no, hell to the mother. No, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to curse as much because I'm trying to get in the habit of not cursing on doing these shows so that way I can post them up on YouTube and all this other stuff. But anyway, so the show, pretty much, you know, black veterans stood in because it was an injustice. You lied on this kid. So we're going to stand here and we're not going to let you do this. So it ended up, you know, a war happened. This was a war zone where you had black men trained in war protecting this kid, somebody that they did not even know but they stood up for the oath that they swore by. And if those of you that don't know, veterans, we swear on an oath to protect, to protect the Constitution of the United States against uh, threats both foreign and domestic. However, they want us to act like we cannot protect domestic issues. And our oath doesn't have an expiration date. So these are men from home from World War I, and they are protecting this kid named Dick Rollins from a lynch mob because newspapers lie. They just want to sell newspapers. That's really all it is. So 
what does that have to do with today? So, of course, you got Joey B talking about um, Tulsa and Juneteenth, even though we're going to make Juneteenth a holiday, but not Emancipation Day. Even though Emancipation Day gave us our freedoms. And we don't even talk about all the black lives that were given who fought for to end slavery. Frederick Douglass, and I have his book back there if you guys can't see it. Frederick Douglass, one of my one of my all-time historical heroes, Frederick Douglass actually fought and worked with the government to end slavery. So it's ridiculous to me that now Joey B is going to sit here and make Juneteenth a holiday, not Emancipation Day, because without emancipation, you wouldn't have Juneteenth. And what they don't want to tell you is, and what everybody's glossing over, was the fact that the that the Union Republic was the ones marching down there to end slavery. The Republicans. They don't want you to know that Republicans were actually the ones that end Juneteenth, and they don't want you to know that Donald Trump actually talked about making Juneteenth, even though he should have made Emancipation Day a holiday. However, it's not the, pre- the president doesn't make federal holidays. That's not his bag. But all of a sudden, they made... Juneteenth, the holiday. And up until a couple years ago, no one really besides local communities really celebrated Juneteenth. I know I didn't hear about Juneteenth until I was an adult up until, oh, when we started having these race wars happening again up in like 2015. So, honestly, why is Joe Biden making it an issue to make Juneteenth a federal holiday? Well, because he actually signed the Asian Protection Act to protect Asian people. And he signed nothing for black people. So he he was actually losing ground with black folks. And Black Lives Matter was actually complaining on Twitter about how they felt cheated because Joey B did not help them. So what more? Oh, Hunter Biden was actually caught using the N-word. So what better way to say, I'm not racist, by making a black holiday. So here's what we got here. Let me see. Where is that article? I don't know why my computer's being slow today. Uh, where was it? I must have deleted it by accident. Don't worry. We'll, we'll look it up. Hunter Biden using the N-word. One of my favorite news sources, New York Post. So we're going to get this article up and running. This was actually written on June 12th. Isn't that ironic, though? Uh, so this says, why isn't Hunter Biden being condemned for, un- for unacceptable use of the N-word? It says the N-word is the most notorious, was, is the most atrocious word in the language. Historically, uh, it was the last word many heard before they were being lynched and jumped or jumped off slave ships. It was the last word women on plantations heard before they were beaten and raped by their slave masters. It was the last word husbands and children heard before they watched slave masters snatch up their wives, mothers, and for the masters' diabolical pleasures. The N-word, okay, I'm not going to read all that, yada, yada, yada. So, and it seems like Hunter Biden can get away with murder pretty much. All right, so, um, 
you may have seen the bombshell story over the last few day over the past few days because the most mainstream media has refused to cover it. Text messages revealed that in December 2018, conversations with his white $845 per hour lawyer, George Mazaris uh, or Mazaris, whatever, Hunter said the N-word multiple times. At one point, Hunter asked Mazaris, how much money do I owe you because... Because, nigga, you better not be be charging my Hennessy rates. Wow, nigga, you better not be charging me Hennessy rates. What? The fuck? <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna use that, nigga. You better not be charging me no damn Hennessy rates. The damning text emerged just days after his father, President Joe Biden, gave a speech. Decrying racism of the 100th anniversary of Tulsa Massacre. A Democrat, Biden has sought to portray racial justice as top priority of his administration. And in the past, he has called Hunter the smartest guy I know. Woo! Okay. So, Hunter Biden is telling people, nigga, you better not be charging me no damn Hennessy prices. And... What better way to cover it up, even though CNN's not going to talk about it, and CNN has never mentioned anything about Hunter, unless they're attacking uh, Donald Trump or, um, you know, other people who talk about Hunter, and Hunter even called Obama a nigga. But, so, you know, and it begs the question. As we know, Democrats have been the leading party of slavery. They actually fought to keep slaves. Democrats are the party of Jim Crow. Democrats are the party of virtually everything that is that has ever everything bad that's ever happened to black people politically. So you want us to believe that Joe Biden, a man whose son has been using the N-word. His vice president also called him a racist. Joe Biden also working with segregationists. Joe Biden, who spoke at the eulogy of Robert Byrd, a Klan grand wizard. And Joe Biden is not racist. Seems to me you around an awful lot of racist people and you just somehow happen to come out as clean as snow. Don't buy it. And to me, me personally, this whole signing Juneteenth as a federal holiday to me seems like the same ploy and tactic that LBJ used when he said, and quote, I will have those niggas voting Democrat for the next 200 years. So, Joey B, how, how are you going to get out of this one? Oh, I know. I'm going to sign a Juneteenth bill. With the quickness. It, it doesn't it seem funny how Joe Biden, our president, our commander in chief, our world representative to the to the world global stage. Somehow has all these racial affiliations to the point where his own VP called him racist. And somehow. He's not racist, but Donald Trump says, 
well, black people, you've been voting Democrat for the last 50 years. You've got nothing out of it. What the hell do you got to lose? It was actually called racist. Oh. There, oh, when, when he said, uh, what he said about the, uh, the Latin, the, the illegal immigrants or illegal aliens. I can't even call them immigrants. Illegal aliens coming across the border. They're sending drugs. They're sending crime. They're rapists. They're murderers. And some are pretty good people. He was called a racist for that. Funny. Even though Donald Trump has been in more rap songs than anybody by name. When has Joe Biden ever been in rap songs? Not never. So, isn't it interesting? Joe Biden, his son is out here using and 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 if I may, just because you were use the word nigga does not mean you are inherently a racist. Sometimes you might just want to feel hip and cool. I mean, you got rappers out here chastising white girls for repeating the exact same words in your songs. I don't think those girls are racist. Do I think that uh, that Hunter is racist? Probably not. I mean, outside of him saying, nigga, you better not be charging me Hennessy prices. Well, I mean, well, I mean, that's pretty, you know, just pretty racially descriptive. But I, could I say, Joe, I mean, Hunter Biden is racist. I, I, I need more than that. However, Joey B. You, my friend, Joey B. Your your mentor was a clan wizard, and your son is out here saying niggas better not be charging Hennessy prices. Just saying. So, but moving on from that. So, given the fact that we had, I'm a little skeptical about Juneteenth. What I'm more skeptical about, and now that summer's here, kids out of schools, you know, barbecues are happening, people are going on vacation and doing all this other stuff. But when they go back to school, what are these kids going to be faced with? And on top of we're still in COVID, you know, all this other stuff, kids will have to deal with critical race theory. What is critical race theory? Critical race theory pretty much tells, is teaching children that if that America's racist, everybody who is white is racist, you are descendants of slave masters and all this other stuff you by proxy of the color of your skin are responsible for everything bad that has ever happened to anybody of a tan hue up until now and that it is your responsibility to make it better oh and shout out i I see some people who have tuned in brian douglas thank you and one of my old-time friends one of my I think, what is you now? You think you're a gunny now? Or my, he was my staff sergeant when I was in the military. Rusty Flores. What's up, bro? Um, and happy Father's Day. Oh, happy belated Father's Day to you. But pretty much, the critical race theory is pretty much teaching kids that, that America is racist. But first, we have to start with the 1619 Project. Uh, why is this computer being so slow? And let me see. Where is... Okay, so pretty much the 16, uh, well, that was a flaw in the 1619 Project. That's the article I pulled up. Oh. All right, if you guys have, and let me see if I can find the summary. Hmm. I don't understand why this is being, probably because I'm, overloading the system 
All right. Get this up and running. All right. Uh, 1619 Project Summary. To summarize the entire history of African Americans and American slavery in North America, the United States in particular, uh, would be exceedingly difficult. The 1619 Project's uh, attempts to do just as just that through essays, poems, short fictions, and photo summaries. I don't want this thing. Okay. Uh, one essay, for example. Okay, I don't want this. Why is this popping up? I hate pop-up ads. I need to update my pop-up blockers. But pretty much the 1619 Project talks about uh, the the fact that America was built on slavery and America's history starts in 1619 when the first boat of slaves came in, in 1619. However, it's not true because we weren't a country then. We didn't become a country until 1776. So in 1619, you're still dealing with individual colonies. So, ah, Jesus Christ. So it pretty much, let me see, this is better. This is from the Heritage Foundation, which is a verily good, it was a verily, which is a very good, um, uh, you know, uh, source to use. So the article reads, oh, crap, okay, I'm going to read the article. So from Frederick Douglass to, uh, to Martin Luther King Jr. in America, Many Americans have tried to bridge Americans' racial divides. American newspapers records believe that it has discovered a new way. No longer preaching faith in the Constitution or civic brotherhood, the New York Times hopes that by creating enough hatred for our nation's founding, its ideals, and for America majority... Uh, what the heck? Oh, thanks, babe. The message just chimed in and said I'm sounding choppy. It's probably because I got the phone uh, Bluetooth to the uh, to the to the board. So let's see if I can fix that a bit. Matter of fact, is that hopefully that that's better? Uh, oh, okay. So let me see. I just turned up the volume. So let's just hope that that is choppy. I don't know if if the phone is trying to fight. The, the board and I don't know. So I'm trying to trying to fix it now. So pretty much the the no longer preaching that faith and constitution I already read all that. Uh justice and harmony will somehow emerge. This in many ways is the idea behind the sixteen nineteen project. It's lead essay written by activist Nicole Hannah Jones, falsely import uh, important part of the American history with a view of engineering with uh engineering this new approach while it has been Roundly debunked by a chorus of renowned uh, academics and gross for gross factual and thematic inaccuracies. Uh, its most outlandish claim is that the American Revolution was fought to protect slavery. No, the American Revolution was not fought to protect slavery. In fact, the American Revolution started because a black man got shot in Boston by Crispus Attucks. So. How is the founding of our nation racist? Don't know. But these are people who try to count the, who try to make themselves sound like they're educated and all types of other stuff by telling you things that confirm your biases. So 
what did the sixteen nineteen project turn led to? It led to critical race theory. So, and this is from the Britannica dot com. Critical race he- uh, theory (CRT). Uh, intellectual movement and loosely organized framework of legal analysis based on the premise uh, that race is not a natural biological ground feature of physical distinct subgroups of human being, uh, but a socially construct culturally invented category that is used to oppress and exploit people of color. Critical race theorists hold that the law and legal institutions in the United States are inherently racist insofar as they function and create, maintain, social, economic, and political inequities between white and non-whites, especially African-Americans. Critical race theory was officially organized in 1989. Uh, The first annual workshop of critical race theory through its intellectual origins go back much further than 1960s and 70s. Its immediate uh, uh, precursor was critical legal studies, which... Uh, dedicated itself to examine how the law and legal institutions serve the interests of wealthy and powerful at the expense of the poor and marginalized. Uh, Like uh, CLS uh, scholars, critical race theorists believe that uh, political liberalism is incapable of adequately addressing fundamental problems and injustice in American society. Notwithstanding legislation, court rulings, advancing civil rights of 1950s and 60s, but it emphasizes the inequitable treatment under the law of all races, colors and blindness regarding the capabilities of recognizing most most overt and obvious racist practice, not those that uh, were relatively indirect, subtle and systematic. Liberalism also faulted the mistakenly uh, presupposing that. Uh, a political nature of judicial uh, decision making and for taking self consciously incremental and reformist approach to uh, that prolonged unjust social arrangements and accorded to an accorded opportunities for retrenchment and backsliding through administrative delays and conservative uh, legal challenges. So pretty much uh, blah, 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 blah. Race rules everything around me. So, uh, so this is an article uh, from March twenty one, uh, March two thousand twenty one, uh, from the Imprimis, uh Critical Race Theory: What Is It and How to Fight It. Uh, let me see. Critical race theory is a fast becoming America's new inst- in- institutional orthodoxy. Ah, crap! I hit a button. Yet most Americans have never heard of it. And those who have, many don't understand it. It's time for this to change. We need to know what it is so we can know how to fight it. In explaining critical race theory, it helps to begin with a brief history of Marxism. So um, I'm going to do an episode on Marxism later on. But pretty much, if you guys have ever heard of Marxism, uh, socialism and communism, Marxism is pretty much a socioeconomic theory that the rich are greedy and you and we hear this all the time in in our news so critical race theory is an academic discipline formulated in the 1990s built on intellectual framework to uh, of identity based on marxism relegated for many years to universities and obscure academic journals over the past decade it has increasingly become a the default ideology in our public institutions 
It has been injected into government agencies, public school systems, teachers training programs, and corporate human resources departments in the form of diversity training programs, human resource model, uh, human resources modules, public policy frameworks, and school curricula. There are a series of euphemisms deployed by its supporters described uh, described critical race theory as uh, including equity, social justice, diversity, and inclusion, and culturally responsive teaching. Critical race theory masters the language construction realize that neo-Marxism would be hard to sell. Equity, on the other hand, sounds non-threatening and is, e- and is easily confused with the American principles of equality. But the distinction is vast and important. Indeed, equality, the principle proclaimed in the Declaration of Independence, defended in the Civil War, and coded and codified in the laws with the 14th and 15th Amendment, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and the Voting Rights, Voting Rights Act of 1965, it explicitly rejects the critical race, rejected by critical race theorists. To them, equality represents a mere non-discrimination and provides camouflage for white supremacy and patriarchy and oppression. So, if you guys have not been paying attention, uh, critical race theory, uh, and this is another article from Education Week, and it says, it says, to be clear, uh, critical race theory is not itself a substantive course or coursework. It is a practice. In its approach to uh, approach or lens through which, okay. mommy, sorry, my mom is calling. <laughs> uh, to be clear, it is it is not itself substantive, of course, of of uh, workshops. It is a practice. It is an approach and lens through which educators can help students examine the roles of race and racism a- in American society. It originated in a legal academic uh, in legal ac- acad- Academy. Sorry, I don't understand why I can't read. I first learned about the about it as a law student and has since adopted it, adopted in other fields in higher education. In K through 12 classrooms, critical race theory can be an approach to help students understand how racism has endured past civil rights era through systems, laws and policies and how those same systems, laws and policies can be transformed. But the vocal opposition of to critical race theory coming from predominantly white states and schools districts will undoubtedly have chilling effects on its use in K through 12 classrooms. Hmm. So this is an article that's pretty much uh, pro uh, critical race theory, but I have an art. I have a video. For those of you who are listening, uh, we'll be able to hear but not see. So, when you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other, that's pretty much what it's going. That's pretty much all I can say. It's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids this white kid right here got it better than you because he white. You're going to personally tell a white kid. Oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get, first of all, time up, because I only got five minutes now, not five minutes. Two medical degrees, no mom, no dad in the house, work my way through college, sat there and hustled my butt off to get through college. You going to tell me somebody that looked like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? 
Are you serious? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against stuff because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't gonna be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't gonna let you get no, oh, you know you're not gonna be able to do it here because you know, white, the, the white man, the white man gonna keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You gonna sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Of this, this, this the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we're even talking about this right now. The last thing we're gonna say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their what? Character. Their character, not their skin. If they let this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February comes, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February comes, don't talk about black history. Money y'all gonna sit there and just pee, pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. When it all comes down to it, the person that's gonna be suffering from this, the ones gonna be hurt from this, is the kids. Yeah. Ten years from now, if this stuff goes on, whose fault is it gonna be? Whose fault is it going to be? Who are we going to look back on and blame for this? Because this is stuff we're talking about right now. This stuff is going on right now. I do this stuff on a daily basis. I'm in the hood. I'm in the communities. I'm out there with folks in their face. I've been doing stuff since I was 18 years old, talking to black folks. And you know what? None of them are buying this nonsense. None of them are. But if you want to implement this into the school system, I guarantee you to the day that I die, I'm going to be the very person right there debunking stuff, tearing stuff down, letting them know they can do exactly what I did and get exactly where I am by putting themselves to work and getting there. Ain't not one white person ever going to keep any of them from getting there. So the CRT stuff, BS. Sorry, I muted myself. So that was a video. It was from Newsweek. Uh, it was a, uh, the title was "Watch a Black Father Blast Critical Race Theory at a Board Meeting uh, in a Viral Video." So I also posted this video on Facebook. You guys can find it anywhere. Um, it's pretty easy to find. Just type in "Black Father Bashes Critical Race Theory." So if you guys paid attention, this guy said he grew up in a home without a mother and a father, and he put himself through med school. He grinded. He busted his butt, and all this other stuff. That goes against what critical race theory is trying to tell you. Everything I just read said everything that's happening that has ever happened bad to black people is because of racism. There is some truth to that. However, racism in today's society is nowhere near as bad as it used to be. Take me. If you guys are watching this on Facebook, I am a mulatto. I am mixed like a bag of trail mix. Uh, 21, 23 of me, it says I've got about 60%, 50 to 60% of African, 40% European, and a whole bunch of other BS sprinkled in there. Pretty much, if critical race theory was taught when I was in school, it would have told me that because I am mixed, because I am black, or whatever you want to label me as, I could never get ahead. However, my upbringing in the early 90s was different. I saw, and for those of you, I grew up in Fort Washington, Maryland, between D.C. and Fort Washington, Maryland. Growing up, I saw nothing but black people running things. In the metropolitan area, you have black people that are high officials on government jobs. You have people that are directors. My stepdad was, uh, I believe, uh, I don't even remember. I'm not even going to throw his grade out there. But pretty much, he wasn't no GS-14. He was way higher than that. My dad was a business owner. 
my dad ran his own business. You know, my mom retired as a GS, I think a GS 14 or GS 15. But I lived in a community where there were black lawyers, black police chiefs, black police officers, black dentists, black CEOs, black mathematicians. I lived in a predominantly black suburban area. So how is that? How is that something that, that, that affects me? Because my upbringing showed me if you work hard enough, you will get it. You may not get everything that you want, but you will get somewhere. I am as of today, I am 31. I am a team leader. I make about six figures. I own my own car. I own my own home. I'm married to a beautiful woman. My my wife, you know, she's black. She's uh, Sigma Cum Loud and all types of other stuff because she was actually good in school. I was average in school. She graduated 4.5, 4.0 GPA. She has a master's. She works for a Fortune 500 company. Critical race theory would have told us we can't get that because of the color of our skin and the racism that is in America. So if if this whole critical race theory thing was true and it's being pimped out to our kids, what is that going to do to our children coming up? Now you have white people wanting to be sorry for being white, even though they have these people have probably never been racist in their life. And I believe it was what about 6% of whites in America during the time of slavery actually owned slaves. So you want to damn a whole group of people because of 6%. Let's not forget that slavery was actually began by a black man. The first person to ever own a slave for life, not indentured servant, a slave for life was Anthony Johnson. Look it up. Uh, Johnson v. Kasor. In Virginia, that was the first time that lifelong slavery has ever been instituted because of a black man, a black Angolan man. So critical race theory is pretty much going to tell us that as black people, America is racist against you. Joe Biden want to sit here and, and pimp the story of Juneteenth that today is a day when racism ends in America. No, it wasn't. The day racism died. Was a <laughs> I can't talk. Was Emancipation Day. It wasn't until, and this is a logistical thing. You got to understand that during the Civil War, we experienced the largest death count ever, more than the Revolutionary War. So the available amount of men, war fighting age men, was severely cut. So how are you going to make sure? that this executive order was enacted and protected when you have a population issue of men. It's going to take some time. Then on top of that, you still have to mobilize those men to these areas. You still have to get these men to enforce the law. So, of course, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some years because we just killed off a large population of men Fighting to end slavery. So. 
why are we pushing Juneteenth as a holiday and not Emancipation Day? The same reason why we're pimping out Memorial Day and trying to cover up Decorations Day. Same thing. However, Memorial Day is a lot easier to do because we've had so many wars in between then. But the date was actually started. So, it's just, am I, am I happy that we have something? Yes. I am very proud that we, that we have some sort of recognition of that we are trying to right our wrongs. However, I could have done without it. Really, I could have done without it. There's nothing, there's no benefit to Juneteenth other than the fact that it's a federal holiday. You don't get to work. And for those of you that work, that work hourly, you get holiday pay. That's really it. You get, there's nothing else. So to me, I find Juneteenth very disingenuous, especially when the president's son is out here saying, you better not be charging me, uh, nigga, you better not be charging me no damn Hennessy prices. So with this, with this episode, I want everybody to really stop and think, really pay attention to history. If something is given to you nine times out of 10, it's either bullshit to cover up, to cover up more bullshit. Should we, should we know what uh, Emancipation Day is? Should we know what Juneteenth is? Yes, of course. It's a part of our history. But don't prop one up to damn the other or to not even recognize the other because without Emancipation Day, we would not have Juneteenth. Without all these strives, one thing that I hate that the media does, the news does, and the government does is that it tries to placate racism to push an agenda they're trying to use critical race theory to 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 say that america is racist the people are racist white people in particular are racist black people especially and people of color this country uh owes you a debt no it doesn't civil on during the civil war we paid that debt America paid that debt in blood. It paid that debt in its sons. It paid that debt in its brothers and in, and in its fathers. Civil rights movement paid that debt, corrected that debt. So is America a racist place? No, I don't think so. Not at all. I do believe that there are racist people in America. And I do believe that the, that the media and some politicians and government and some of our representatives and some of the powers that be do have a racist agenda. I do believe that I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that I don't, but the issue is they want to give you a holiday for what reason to say, Oh, we're sorry. We're sorry for all the racism that you never experienced. You go to most black communities, you are, it is rare to find a white face in it. Most black people don't have any interactions with white people. They, we just don't. I remember doing a ride along with the cop. I was trying to get in with the police academy right after I got out of the, of the military. And I was riding around with this white cop. Majority of the cops that, I, that I've seen growing up, especially in the areas that I lived in, were black. When I lived in California, most of the cops were Hispanic. 
So I have not seen too many places where white cops are the primary thing, the primary force. That's just me. That's anecdotal. I could be wrong that, you know, I'm just saying in my experiences. But I remember this white cop, I'm riding around with him. He he made a comment because he saw a white guy and and we were in the hood. He says, the fact that that white guy feels so comfortable to walk around lets me know that he's probably selling drugs. A cop, a cop just like discriminated a white guy because he's white in this neighborhood and he's so casually walking around. He must be looking for drugs. Must be. He gotta be. He's white. He's in a black neighborhood. He gotta be looking for drugs. That's abnormal. I've never seen him before. And this guy said his beat is within like a six mile radius. He just he circles the same six miles over and over and over again. He's arrested certain people a couple of times over and over and over again. Don't like the guy? Not really. He was a bit of a douchebag. But even this guy said it. So we got to end this whole critical race theory before the school year begins in the fall. Parents really need to get out, tackle their, their, their state and local legislators. They really need to tackle their school and education administrators and get this stuff out of the schools. You, there are tons of videos of black parents getting online on YouTube. They're going viral. They're on the news talking about critical race theory and how it does not impact them. And these are parents saying, look, I'm a nurse. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm this, I'm that. Why are you teaching my kids critical race theory? It, it, it has nothing to do with anything. You are trying to create this racist narrative and it's only, it can only backlash. I don't see any positive good coming out of critical race theory. I just don't. Because what does that do? It tells white kids you're racist and it tells black kids you're the victim. It tells white kids you are the oppressor and it tells black kids you're the oppressed. And what about people like me, people who are mixed? How are you supposed to feel about it? You're supposed to go and praise your black parent and damn your white parent. In the case of, uh, what's his nuts? That, 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 uh, uh, fuck. Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick's mama was white. He grew up in an all-white family. The first person who ever did him wrong was his daddy, because his daddy was he never he does not know who his real father is. So what does it do to people like that? It makes you ungrateful. Colin Kaepernick, and I hate to bring him up, grew up in a all-white school, went to an all-white college. Colin Kaepernick, man, I, Colin Kaepernick probably is as black as his, as his pinky toe. He ain't that black. I Hell, the first time I saw him, I thought the dude was Middle Eastern. People say the same thing about me, but uh, I thought the dude was Middle Eastern. But now all of a sudden, now he wants to grow an Angela Davis afro and be all this pro-black type stuff, even though you've never been pro-black your entire life. And the stuff that you push actually hurts black people. Critical race theory hurts black people. So... I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to talk about more Marxism um, and and all this other stuff in the coming episodes. We're going to talk about a whole lot more, but I just want to get this whole Juneteenth and all this other stuff out. 
Am I happy? In a nutshell, am I happy that Juneteenth is a holiday? Mm, I could care less. Yes, for the historical value, but no, because I don't trust the motive. I don't trust the intent. I don't trust the purpose of why it was pushed. I just don't. That to me. Call me what you will. Call me a bootlicking Uncle Tom. Call me a scumbag. Call me an asshole. I don't give a shit. That's just me. I don't trust it. I just don't. It came out of nowhere, and they're trying to pimp this narrative that there's an issue between whites and blacks when really the issue is between whites, the media, and the blacks. Blacks, the media, and the whites. Politicians, the media, and the people. They want to create a divide. That's really, that's how I see it. Do I think uh, anyone can fix it? I think, the, the like Morgan Freeman, stop talking about it. Really stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man when you stop calling me a black man. I'm going to stop calling you whatever when you stop calling me whatever. Stop talking about it. Stop talking about slavery. It's already dead and gone. There's not a slave or a slave owner alive today. And if they are, in the case of that man in South Carolina that was treated like a slave in that, in that family restaurant, oh, he deserves a death penalty for that. That's just me. But, uh, yeah, where are we at right now? I am once again asking for your financial support. Thank you, Bernie. We are asking for you guys' financial support. So if you guys can be so kind, please, we have a PayPal set up. Donate however much you will, you feel is in your heart. But also, uh, we have we are friends with Wilder Tactical. Please use the Edmo21 code. Go to Wilder Tactical. Get you all your tactical needs. Holsters, belts, pouches, whatever. Get Go to Wilder Tactical. Use that Edmo Show code and get you guys a nice little discount. To, then that's a thank you to us. But also, um, if you guys are down to your bottom crusty, wrinkly dollar, please do not spend it on us. Just go to Amazon, uh, go to Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Give us five stars and a comment, whether you like the show, whether you hate the show, whatever. But please give us a comment. And if you guys want to get involved, we do have the Edmo Show listener group on Facebook. Uh, we are on Instagram. Uh, at the underscore Edmo, and we are getting more stuff uh, out and about. Like I said, this is the first show where we're doing a Facebook Live, so we're toying, well, I'm toying around with it, so we'll see if um, if we'll keep doing it. Um, but until then, we will see you guys next time. Peace.